Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, June 24th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and as always, we put the fun in functional sports content, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Kev, as usual, we have been talking about, you know, the I's getting dotted, the T's getting crossed. Today is decision day for players in the NBA. No, they do not have the three hats of what colleges they want to go to. But we are going to hear more and more. And we have heard more over the last 24, 48 hours. You know, yesterday, Kev, you said you said something that I thought was interesting. You said, like, the Oladipo reason, right? Like, the mm-hmm. idea that some players— may want to continue to rehab and or may see, you know, paydays on the horizon, right? And just saying it's not worth it. Remember, we've talked about the um, insurance that some of the young studs in the league want, whether that's Tatum or Fox or others that are in that vein, right? Not wanting to uh, risk it almost when they have their payday, their pot at the gold at the end of the rainbow. On the other side, well, I believe there's someone else who now fits into the Oladipo reason who did in fact declare they're not coming and it's Washington Wizards three-point shooting star David Bertans okay he's saying listen he's had injuries right he's had injuries before I think both knees correct me if I'm wrong but also he's an impending free agent and so he doesn't want to do it you know uh, the analogy I'm starting to think about is you know how college football players decide to like not play in the bowl game a lot because of the impending draft, and we've seen that before. You know, we we had that narrative when Zion got hurt. We were like, oh, he should never go back to Duke and play because of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Well, Bertans is someone else saying he ain't coming. Uh, I know, again, Washington, not a team with true designs on the championship. And you can say that Bertans is not like an all-star or anything, but he is a quality player, especially from behind the arc. Kev, does this one fit into the Oladipo category for you? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, they came out and they said that this has to do with injury. He wants to make sure that he can be ready to capitalize on what's been an incredible season season for Davis Bertans. Just by three-point attempts per game, he is ninth in the league this season. Nobody above him shot 40% from three. He shot 42.5% from three on the season. I mean, he was an absolute marksman, and he does it um, offering incredible size, and that's the type of versatility that's coveted in the league. He's not a small forward. Yeah. He's power forward, but 84% of his minutes uh, for the Wizards at power forward. He's six foot 10. A, a floor spacing big like this is incredibly right. valuable. It begs, though, two questions to me then, Dane. The first is would he be going if he were on the Orlando Magic? Just one spot up Interesting. in uh, the seating. Or is it the Washington Wizards' a lack of chance that some believe they have? to make a dent and get into the postseason, is is that what's partially... I don't think it is. I don't think the fact that it's Washington with low chance or any of those teams that, unless it's like the damn Bucks or the Celtics or the Heat or the Clippers, you know what I mean? I think for him, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the way I read it is that for him, it's, you know, the risk of compromising what is to come on the horizon, you know, in essence, his contract. And you talk about Bertans as this floor-stretching big. He is the exact kind of piece that is coveted by true championship-quality teams, right? He would be the exact kind of guy to be someone who could stretch the floor and and hit that long shot. For him, I think it's that he truly believes that, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is real and not wanting to compromise it for whether it's the eight-game stretch or even you know, uh, what would likely be a first round playoff exit. He's not the only one. Oh, you got something quickly, else. Yeah, I just ahead, I yeah. think quickly with Bertans, though, Go ahead. if if I if I may, I think okay. this might suggest that he will be leaving the Wizards at the end of this season. Potentially. To me, 
them, like, so the Wizards, right? And again, unless the Wizards don't care a lot about the restart themselves, which Mm -hmm. maybe you could argue they do by not wanting John Wall to go back and to each his own. But I would like to think that they could have said, you know, Bertans, we want to go there. We want to give it our best. And we know you're concerned about your upcoming free agency. Let's make a deal right now. Let's figure it out. What do you think Mm. you're worth? Here's what you think you're worth. Let's find a middle ground. Those type of negotiations being had with other teams is levels of tampering that they can't cross. But on his own team, I think they could have made him a promise that they would make him whole no matter what happens in an eight-game stretch or if they played an additional four, five, six, whatever it might have been in round number one. I think that they could have made that claim to Bertans. And I think that this is probably a very big sign that Bertans, because we know that as, you know right. an agent has to be able to do his job, get him feelers, advise him on these type of situations. And Davis Bertans is probably going to command a considerable dollar, mm-hmm. I think, in the market this offseason. And I would probably tell you that he doesn't return to the Wizards. Yeah, I think that makes a good point, okay? I agree with you, Kev. And in fact, you know, even if it wasn't this specific case, you know, the idea of players getting to test the open market, Kev, is something that, you know, doesn't happen all the time, right? And so I know this is a unique situation. And you're right. Maybe the Wizards are like, listen— Come on back. We'll lock it in. We'll we'll alleviate your long-term fear, fears. Here's a four-year deal, right? But that doesn't change the fact that Bertans and his team and his group, his agent, may have already decided they want to test the open market because I do believe, as I said before, he's the exact kind of piece that might be coveted by teams with championship designs a lot better than the Washington Wizards. He wasn't the only player, though, Kev, who yesterday kind of declared he wasn't going. There's another interesting case in my opinion that is not the Oladipo reason right and we've said there's so many other reasons why players may decide that I'm not going and this is a starter okay this is not the you know ninth man on the bench Trevor Ariza of the Portland Trailblazers who was starting for them um, he's decided to not go and without getting too far into it here Kev it's family reasons okay in essence He's got this one opportunity to see his 12-year-old son. He's in a custody battle, like, with his ex-wife and wants to take advantage of this opportunity to spend quality time with his son instead of being isolated. Now, who the hell am I, Kev, right, to say that he should take the other side of this, that he should care about the Blazers' chances to win a championship or his money. Uh, what I heard is he's sacrificing over a million dollars in order to make this decision. And so I remember yesterday, Kev, when you were talking about the family reasons is so hard to figure out, right? And I actually thought about something else yesterday that I want to bounce off of you. In baseball, in their plan, in what will be the football plan when you are traveling from market to market, right? We've already talked about the idea that the, the, the curves are spiking in different states, how that creates a challenge. But I thought about it, at least you're not isolated away from your families, right? Because you would be able to travel, unlike in this bubble scenario where, okay, maybe you can bring some folks in. But when you look at this Trevor Ariza example, he doesn't want to go because he doesn't want to miss the quality time with his son. It made me think, you know, some of these teams are only going to play eight games. But then, Kev, if you're in the playoffs, your isolation just extends longer, Right. And if you make the Western Conference finals or ultimately the championships, your isolation, Kev, could in essence be from early July, like the months of July and August and September and into early October. I think it was your boy Woj who I heard yesterday saying there's going to be some other kinds of concerns like this, just not wanting to be away from the family for this long. Like if your wife is seven months pregnant, what are you going to do? Miss the birth of your child in the middle of quarantine? What if you have a sick family member that you wouldn't be able to see for three or four months? To me, it's ironic that the longer your team goes in the playoffs, and you talk about this being a legacy kind of thing, the longer your isolation is potentially away from your family. And I think that's a very interesting dichotomy. I also especially saw there's concerns of family members in the bubble because while they'll be quarantined, 
Hotel employees, the staff, the cleaning, the, the cooks, you know, will be able to carry on their own lives and go in and out of the quarantine bubble, thus almost bringing the risk right on in. What do you think about some of these family concerns? Not the Oladipo reason, not the insurance reason, but some of these family issues, and Ariza is a great example. He's a starter on a potential playoff team. Yeah, so I think that there's a reason why they're hoping that at a certain point they'll be able to bring the families of those teams that have gone deeper into the playoffs. Okay. I think this is a, a, a good example why, because you know we we see that these guys and their families matter a ton to them, and that's why that's you know and that's why they made the point that I believe it's after 53 day uh, 53 days there's only going to be eight teams left in the bubble. That's going to clear up a lot of space if they then will look to bring. Right families inside these hotels. I, I think the Trevor Ariza situation is one where we're going to be looking at a lot here by a case-by-case basis. Again, we don't know the personal situation. We can only talk about what's been reported. Uh, but they said he's been involved in a custody case over his right. 12-year-old son, and the mother granted a one-month visitation period during the league's quarantine. He wants to take advantage of that one month. I don't blame him. No, I'm, I don't. I, I, would be, I think it'd be silly if anybody blamed right. him. But I think that means it's a very specific situation. So I just don't know how many instances of people saying, oh, I will miss my family. How many specific situations you know what it, like, out there. Yeah. The Ariza situation is a specific one. And it's not to say that others might not have similar. How many have, like, is that going to be a league-wide type of issue, though? I, not necessarily, because, again, it's a very, that's a very case-by-case Absolutely. type of subject. But that's why they've entertained the conversations about bringing families in. I mean, they at one point said, do they need to come from the start? That's why they've continually gone through those things um, as often as possible. And as far as the outside people entering the bubble, um, that's why they continue to speak to epidemiologists about trying trying to figure out what is the best case scenario, saying that the um, face-to-face contact is seemingly the most dangerous to where right. you know, the maids won't be in the room at the same time as the athletes. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that those serving up the food will be wearing masks and they believe sure. that those are the things that um, will help them preventing the spread um, within the bubble. But, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think we, we look at this thing and we know that there's only so much they can do. I mean, there are limitations on this. And again, I think that's why the idea has been how they will respond, uh, not if, but when someone comes down with COVID. Yeah, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break, but, you know, it seems like we continue to unearth questions and not a whole lot of answers, or at least the answers sound a little bit dicey and bring up more questions. But we are off and running. It is decision day in the NBA. We have progress, we think, in Major League Baseball as well. We'll cover it all. Kevin and I are off and running, as always, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. It is the early line giving you the edge here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I have been talking about this NBA return, uh, which we're going to learn a lot about today, right, Kev? We're going to see, and we keep on saying we don't know how big of an issue it will be, what reasons people will cite, but we will find out today as players decide if they are going to go into Orlando and into the state of Florida for the restart in the bubble. We find that out today. You know, I, honestly, I want to ask you, though, we've heard, you know, from Silver and others that if players decide not to go, that the teams will have an opportunity to kind of like restock their rosters, you know, whether that be G League folks or, or unsigned veterans, you know, and Corey Brewer's name has come up. Jamal Crawford's name has come up. Shumpert's name has come up. I must have missed this, Kev. Honestly, though. What's the process of that like, right? Like, let's assume every team is going to have, like, one or two players, okay? Let's say, you know, there's a lot of teams that will need to sign someone. And let's say Jamal Crawford is the most sought-after fill-in. You know what I mean? Like, like, 
is this just reverse order of record? Like, who gets first dibs? Is this a normal waiver kind of thing? Like, how do we know, for example, if Ariza's not going, how do we know that when does Portland, is it just kind of like a draft or reverse order and of open free-for-all? Uh, because, you know, there's a few players out there that we recognize that we know can add value. But mm -hmm. if, and we don't know, again, if this is a big deal. And if there's like 35 players that need to be replaced among these teams, mm -hmm. it's going to be important to get the top three or four guys, right? So can you enlighten me? How does that process work? Do we know who gets first choice at some of these uh, vets that are out there? Yeah, so we're really just in a transaction window period. Right. Uh, and also because teams are allowed a couple more roster spots, okay, um, they can kind of start to scoop these guys up. Um, so we've seen Corey Brewer land with the Kings. Joe Kim mm -hmm. Noah's reportedly right. going to be heading to the Clippers. Um, in order to, you know, if, if there is a point, Dane, where they're like, oh, there's more empty spaces than bodies, that's when you they're going to start looking to the G League affiliates, I would assume, sure. uh, to kind of fill up those spaces. But I'll say Brewer, was it just that the Kings got to him first or yeah, offered him yeah. the most money or because if I'm Jamal Crawford, I'm holding out to see which players don't want to go and where there's more coveted spots for fill-ins, right? It's maybe instead of just taking the first offer that comes my way, like I'm hoping someone on the Lakers or the Bucks or the Clippers drops yeah. out and I can fill in. I think Corey Brewer, though, might be playing the game smart as well. Again, it's it's depends where you kind of are, but if you're Corey Brewer, more minutes probably going to be able to come okay. your way with a situation like Sacramento. Um, I don't remember if that news came out. I think it came out after the Trevor Ariza stuff. So I think, you know, maybe he would have right. wanted to go to Portland uh, had okay. he waited a bit longer. Because what we know about the playoffs is, you know, despite the fact that they're now apparently going to have 17 or 15, 17 guys on the bench, whatever it might be, uh, less and less people play in the playoffs. So if you find yourself in the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, uh, your minutes – might not actually be all that relevant. And yeah. again, if you're taking this eight you can win a ring. size, with an of course. I guess. Yeah, but but I'm saying if you're these guys, maybe a part of the desire to come back is yeah. do something in eight games and you know get yourself maybe in favor with an organization that want to kind of keep you on. I think the biggest name that we will talk about during all of this is Demarcus Cousins. Mm. And because he's the one guy, I mean, you know. It's like out there. Jamal Crawford, you know, you could argue they should rename the sixth man award after him. I think Jamal Crawford, honestly, should call up Lou Williams right now <laughs> and be like, yo, you're 50-50? Can you let me know, bro? Because I'll right. step in for you, you know? And I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure Jamal Crawford would. How much Jamal Crawford's going to shift title odds? Like, I think this would probably be the, point, the, the, the argument that I would make. DeMarcus Cousins is the only person that might be signed during this period that yeah. would move a futures market even a touch. That's that's what I would say to you. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right, like, as an individual, right? Remember, I, I do think the movement's going to happen when we step back and look at the comprehensive picture of who's not in and how that was uh, kind of filled in by, right? And there will be overall movement, but I think you're right. No one player is necessarily going to do that. The comprehensive package of who's in, who's not, who's not coming, and how they restock the rosters will change it a little bit. You know, another thing I wanted to ask you, Kev, um, they put out also, your boy Woj, put out the dates um, for this kind of off-season. Because remember, we're talking about the NBA Finals now with this schedule that we've talked about going into, I believe, early October, right? Mm -hmm. Early to mid-October, let's say. I think Game 7 would be right around Columbus Day weekend. And so we've talked about the idea of then, whoa, but they want to start in December, for next year's season, that just leaves, you know, the month of November and maybe the second half of October for a lot of league business. And we've heard, though, that it looks like the draft would take place in this construct on October 16th, just three days after a scheduled Game 7. And then free agency would start on October 18th, right after that, with this all being very condensed. You know, we talk about, like, the legal tampering period and all that. What do you think— will be kind of some of the ripple effects of this very condensed offseason. And are you cool with them kind of staggering it in the way they do a mere hours after potentially a champion is crowned? Yeah, so I, I think the draft will be fine. I, again, I think you, will, you have a situation here where they've had more time 
that than they've ever had before to look through these prospects. The field of players has not changed. If right. you miss on a draft pick, it is not because you played in a finals game 24 hours earlier. You should have had the scouting department watching film. Like there's a lot of time to set that stuff up. Now, free agency beginning so quickly after that final game is interesting. Um, and how maybe yeah. that could impact negotiations if any players from those two teams. The championship teams, yeah. And you'd have to say that that then would give them a big leg up to potentially re-signing some of those players. Or there's always kind of the um, recency bias thing. Like if maybe someone has a great performance in right. you know the conference finals or the NBA finals and it's so fresh, right? Yeah. I mean, that stuff always matters, but we're talking about it happened less than a week ago, like those type of, I, I think that's where you could see, um, I think that's where it'd be pretty interesting. I guess the one uh, thing to me maybe that would matter more than everything else is the early entry withdrawal date uh, being October 6th, which is just Ooh. 10 days prior to the draft. To me, if this draft class, for whatever reason, saw um, big names pull out at the last minute, because, I don't know, there's just something about the NBA season that seems off to them or, you know, right. the college game maybe for some reason gets more enticing. I don't expect that. I I don't think that that maybe would, would make much sense for the top of the draft. But the how close that is, right, that could I see um, having some general managers and front offices having to scramble a bit if there were any last-minute uh, situations like that. Yeah, and I mean, those last-minute situations, they happen. I remind you, Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in the finals. You know what I mean? And that severely changed the calculus of the needs, let's say, of the Golden State Warriors going into free agency or into next year's draft. I also think about it from the side of the college kids coming into this draft, Kev. Like, is there going to be a combine? You know, and when would that be? During the NBA playoffs? That's another interesting question to me. I'd also ask you, if you are a kid, if you're an underclassman mm. in college, Kev, and you're kind of like on the cusp, right, of being like the smart advice is to forego your senior year and enter the draft or like the idea of coming back. I don't know. But if you ask me, I'd be more likely to enter the draft right now than in a normal circumstance. Cause what am I going to do? Risk my senior college basketball season that may never happen. I could get an injury. My stock could fall. I have no idea what it's going to be like. I'm going to try and grab that professional money and my first contract as soon as possible. Right. Instead of the absolute uncertainty of another 12 months, not knowing what college sports will be like, not knowing what the process will be like, not knowing how it might benefit me. I might, I might, you know, try to enter even if the advice I got from my school and others was that I might just be a cusp pick or may not even, you know, get selected. Do you think there will be an influx of more college kids declaring for the draft? Yeah, this is where it's really difficult because this is a pretty weak draft class. So okay. I would offer that more guys that are on the cusp should go out there and try their hand at making the cut. The problem does seem to be that that's the approach that everybody wanted to take, right? It's, you yeah. know, it's you ever get a situation where like, oh, obviously it's a fast food day and you get to the drive-thru and you realize everybody thought the same thing and now you're waiting in line for quite some time for what was But not you because be you're up. looking fit, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks, my man. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I think it's, um, I think it's really interesting. And I, I think that, you know, if you're able to find yourself with a guarantee, you will be drafted. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you should really be thinking twice about this. Then I have a question for you. Why doesn't Trevor Lawrence do it right now? Trevor Lawrence just sit out? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think. Like, I'm not kidding. I, why, why? Why not? He I can think, only hurt himself. I, I, I mean, look, the thing is, the way I feel like sometimes the way football culture is, though, they'll be like, oh, does that guy want to win? Does that guy want to compete if they sit down? And now I'm not right. I do think, though, that the way things are, if Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, sure. like, we're like, mm, you know. Jamar Chase is like, not chill. I'm good. I ain't going to risk this. I, I think, yeah, I, th I think that that's plausible. And I think even, you know, with the college basketball game, uh, I'll give you an example. Cade Cunningham, who's the number one yeah. overall recruit in the Oklahoma country. State, right? Yeah. yeah. Who's going to stay at Oklahoma State despite their postseason ban. 
Right. And I wonder if almost a part of that is, eh, I'm already here, it's comfortable, and this next season's going to be a mess anyway. <laughs> Why complicate things? Look for a new school that maybe I never even show up to. I, I think all of that is a potential, like, the co- again, we, we've only spoke about college very briefly here on the early line. But I would, you know, I know for me coming away from the conversation, and I'd like to believe that those that listen to us it has to be the most complicated oh, sport that will try to come back versus all of these other oh, yeah. sports. The complications are are unparalleled to me. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, everything from the fact that they're not professionals, you know, to the fact that, you know, college campuses may be in a different situation. You know, I even saw something talking specifically about the University of North Carolina football team, which happened to have the most, uh, Kev, call it like five-star recruits, decide to go elsewhere out of state. And the kind of hypothesis that now under the pandemic, these kids may want to be just closer to home, you know, and could they decommit and instead go back to some of their state schools because of the risk of traveling, wanting to be close to home in this pandemic. And I was like, maybe interesting, you know, and that could be valid. But then again, so is everything because of people's, you know, personal context situations and risk tolerance. When we come back, we go into the cluster F that is negotiations of Major League Baseball. But the process does continue, Kev. We'll talk about it when we come back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I looking at the kind of, you know, evolving uh, details of the NBA and which players will decide that they are down for Orlando and which ones are like, I'm not so sure y'all have fun with that. And we're going to find that out and obviously have a very rich conversation about it tomorrow when we know the results. But I do also want to turn our attention to major league baseball. Kev, another set of back and forth, right? Over the last 22 hours, this idea of the players, uh, they were going to vote on that proposal. They voted it down, Kev, 33 to 5. And what it looks like this is going to cue, you know, is what we've always said, right? The idea that Manfred will be able to impose the schedule or deliver the schedule as per that late March agreement. Uh, Before we get into it, though, I realized something about this, Kev, and I think it's bad. I think it's bad for all parties involved, okay? You know what they lose the opportunity to do, Kev, if Manfred just imposes the schedule off of the March agreement? They lose the ability, Kev, to do all this other fun stuff. They lose the ability to expand the playoffs, Kev, and that's big-time money, okay? If the players and owners agreed to the proposals, remember, it is these proposals— that have things like the expanded playoffs to 14 and 16 teams. It is these proposals that have the universal DH in them. But if they go the route of not agreeing on one of the proposals, but instead having, you know, Manfred deliver the schedule, then it defers back to the old proposal where the DH is not involved, where the expanded playoffs and thus more money to make up the gap, right, in this year and in 2021, that doesn't happen. They go back to the old default. So a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, right, specifically the expanded playoffs, which was the way they were going to make their money back that's not in what manfred would deliver so whether or not you think it's going to happen 65 62 58 48 whatever what do you think about that piece that if they go this route where he imposes the schedule they lose some of the details that we were intrigued by in the back and forth negotiations yeah this has just been unfortunate step after unfortunate step after unfortunate step and them I mean, the DH thing should have been universal. I don't understand sure. why it's not. Like, it, it's For me, it's a, this playoff expansion, though. That's the way they were going to make the money back, Kev. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I got to think, too, like, from the player's side of things, you, you know, 
the majority should want the playoff expansion because right. now it'll help justify this 60-game schedule that you're going to go through here. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's disappointing to, to not see some of those things. More postseason games w- would have been enjoyable. Uh, as we look through this, you know, um, we're now seeing, you know, Trevor Bauer, obviously, right, always <laughs> outspoken on a lot of these yeah. things, but he makes a lot of good points. Yeah. Um, and he tweeted out, so we gave up shares of playoff money, eliminating the qualifying offer for 2021, paycheck advance forgiveness, COVID-19 protections, and protection for non-guaranteed arbitration contracts for next year in order to hold on to our right to file a grievance. And, you know, he makes a lot of good points there. And, and I think it's fair to say that the players would have been better off taking the, even if that proposal was not what they wanted, it at least is better what they have now. So the question is, Dane, Mm -hmm. obviously there was a priority put on the ability to file these grievances. Yeah. What does that mean for baseball? That means that even when Manfred delivers or imposes the schedule, they have that back pocket response to extend this even further. That's what it means, Kev, and for them to still play hardball, right? The grievance is their final trump card that they have to still be like, no, but I'm with you, and quite frankly, I'm with Trevor Bauer. If you zoomed out, right, with these things— that you're talking about, the expanded, more playoff money, some of the uh, the, the qualifying offer and some of those things that were in the proposals, at some point, the idea of 60 or 70 games versus all the other things that were in the proposal, specifically the playoff shares and expanded playoffs, I sort of think it might be short-sighted or like cutting off your nose to spite your face a little bit on this one. Do you agree? I think like, you're right. The owners have been playing hardball, have never moved, and it's not good, right? But at this moment in time, what they just voted no 33 to five on, I kind of, and I might be wrong, I kind of believe on balance that saying yes to that proposal might have ultimately been better than playing this down the road and using all these last resort grievance tools because what they wind up with, I, I don't think is any better. Yeah, I just think it shows that this, this state of baseball, is it's, it's not in a good spot right now. Fair. If the priority is your ability to file that grievance, what is your end goal? Right exactly. now, I, I'm, you know, I, Right, but does that mean that they're going to head to litigation? Does that mean that they think that they're going to be able to sue baseball Something and they're like going to be able to recoup money? Something like that. That does. That sounds terrible. It does. Right? So why is that what the players want? Remember when I said at some point, if the players do go ahead and file this grievance when a season and it looks like, oh, happy day, you saw social media, baseball is back. Baseball is back. It's going to happen. Remember a week ago, I said, if the players do exercise this grievance option, then they truly risk starting to lose the court of public opinion because now some of the happiness about just baseball is growing, but it would be the players if they exercise this option which to the public looks like it'll be them stopping it. So I, I don't know why they want to hold on to this grievance culture. Yeah, and I'm, I'm slightly clouded. I, I think there seems to be a way that they can file the grievance while playing the season, which is interesting. And look, you ever, you know, do you ever see a situation where someone's like, ah, it's a losing battle. And you go, I know, but I've been putting up with it for too long and right. I got to do something. The principle of it all. I, right. Yeah. And, and I, I think that. we could be seeing a situation where the players are like, you know what, man, they have been messing us over for a long time, and, it, and we're not going to just sit idly by. We're going to make a stance. Now, again, could it maybe have been a short-sighted decision? Possibly, yeah. right? We're going to have to see how that plays out. The thing that I feel confident, if I was going to feel confident in anything, Dane, right? Again, we have spoke about the NBA, and there's going to be certain athletes that won't show up. I think the baseball names that will not show up will be much larger to the sport. And Mm -hmm. I think the total number will be much greater to the sport. 
that's possible. <laughs> you know, that's absolutely possible. You know, again, there are so many unknowns here, right? Here, I, I, one pushback I'll have is like, not if the state of Florida keeps spiking, you know, then more and more NBA players for granted for a different reason than the one you're talking about, right? Might be like, nah, chill. I ain't doing it. But I think your point is well taken. We've talked about this for the better part of a month already, uh, Kev. But yes, the tone is dramatically different. How will that impact? the ultimate resolution i'm not so sure we will still see and we're going to learn a lot more in baseball just like we're learning in basketball the nhl is still deciding on some of their hub cities the nfl is starting to realize that up uh, they got to start making decisions on this as well you know one thing that we did think about that i want to mention here when it comes to major league baseball if there is a season and it's 60 games or 55 games or 48 games or 72 games, whatever the case may be. We talked about how our partners on FanDuel and their futures bets, or at least most of them, have like no action if there's not 75 games, right? And we've talked about how, by definition, there's just so much variance in a 60-game season. You know, the young kids on the White Sox or the Blue Jays can get hot. Garrett Cole could get out the gate you know, badly for three starts in a new club, right? These things are all possible. And with such a shortened season condensed, the variance is king. One of the other things we talked about, you know, baseball loves its record book, Kev. And in 60 games, no one's hitting 70 home runs. No one's stealing 100 bases. I got that, right? Those records are safe. But if you play fantasy baseball, you also know there's other stats that are very, very important to Major League Baseball. That are ratio stats, Kev. Mm -hmm. Things like batting average. Things like ERA, right? And because of the variance, like every season in the first two months of the season, right, there's someone hitting like 405 and it's like, oh, can they maintain it? And the answer is usually no. But what about over just two months, over 60 games? So, Kev, I want to ask you, what do you think about some of those percentage-based stats, the ones that come to mind for me right away are batting average, on base percentage, on the pitching side, things like ERA, whip. Now, I know that they wanted to put an asterisk with the home runs, right, with the shortened season. What do you think, man? Is someone going to hit 400 this year? Is someone going to come out there and pitch to a 0.86 ERA? And then how does Major League Baseball, who loves their record books, how do they treat this? I mean, to win the Cy Young and, like, say, the NL this year, you may have to pitch to like a sub one ERA right. in the condensed season. So I would say that, you know, them saying the single season batting average record is now like is very unlikely. Here's what I will say, though. It will be the single like whoever it is. Right. It's going to be batting 400. Right. I think when it comes to awards prop bets for this upcoming baseball season, you will be best off looking down the board a bit mm, the variance, right. variance that is going to be provided to you over a course of 162 games mike trout is going to be one of the three best players in the american league yep. guaranteed period over a 60 game season i mean it could be anybody you know it could be a dj lemayhew it, it yep, could no. like and and the same is true for the side young hitting 438 for the match right like that no for real like and that's a real thing i would i would say too for the cy young award last year garrett cole threw his 13th start in game number 60 for the houston astros talking about 12 13 starts so yeah i mean you're not even going to get to 15 starts right because if they maybe try and spread starts out a bit more to be and cautious how many times have we seen people like with a stretch of their last 11 starts with some ungodly numbers remember when i think it was a couple years ago and if you're a mets fan i apologize in advance when like jacob de for like uh, 10 starts had something like a 0 0.8 ERA, yet the Mets went 1-9 in those games. Right. Uh, we are literally live for that happening, and it's going to be interesting, right, Kev? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think a closer now is in the running more than ever before because, again, they're not going to be outpitched by, right. you know, 500 innings or With whatever it might be. seven innings pitched the entire season. It's going to make for some interesting stats and for a sport that loves their record book, another ripple effect of how to handle it. Well, we will be back with more right here because we're giving you the edge on SportsGrid. It's the early line. Come on back.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Kevin and I going around the world of sports trying to figure out, you know, the variants of a major league schedule. You know, Kev, the last thing I'll say on this, Remember, uh, maybe you're too young to remember, but Billy Bean, when he took over the Oakland A's, Moneyball, that whole theory, right? The idea of the on-base percentage, the idea of some of those stats, the whole point was over a 162-game season, right? This will help you rise to the top. And then it's also potentially the reason that he built that team that way and it never got through in the playoffs in a quick five-game set because of the variance at play, right? It's the difference, in my opinion, about the importance of every single college football game on the season versus every single college basketball game on the season. When there's just more, it's a little bit less important than every single Saturday across this fair country. But I digress. We also want to talk again about our friends out there in Europe and in the EPL. By the way, Kev, you know, they are kneeling. They are wearing Black Lives Matter jerseys. And I guess I would also be remiss if we did not talk about what happened with Bubba Wallace yesterday Mm. at the NASCAR track. I mean, huge show of solidarity. The other drivers literally pushing his car to the front of the pack and then literally and figuratively standing beside him or behind him in mass. I thought it was a powerful sight, and NASCAR, as one of the only big-time sports out there, not shying away from it, addressing it, getting out in front of it, and saying very clearly, we will not stand for this. Yeah, and I think the way things played out with Bubba Wallace, there was no other way to go than be on Bubba Wallace's side unless you are racist because they put a noose in his garage. No other way to look at it. Like, if you don't see how horrible that is, racist. And it was good on them for showing their support. Um, And, you know, I thought it was really interesting. The the race closes and all the conversation is about Bubba Wallace. Finished 14th. It's a good showing. At one point he was in first, but he finished 14th. But he became the star. He felt as if he's like, got to be for the next few months, to be quite he, honest. I mean, the thing is, I, I saw someone say, and I, I thought it was funny, it was a little tongue in cheek, but it was somewhat true. And someone said, this is my favorite NASCAR moment ever. And someone said, I think it might be the only NASCAR moment ever. So now NASCAR is a thing like NASCAR just finally started. I just think that they've now actually seen they've opened themselves up to a different audience. Like you had people mm-hmm. like you could see it on the timeline, Dane, like tuning in to watch yeah. the close to the race to see where Bubba Wallace right. finished. And I just, you know, to see him go over to that, to, to all those fans with the black lives matter. Shirts yeah. on. It's just a scene that is so drastically different than what you would expect. And I thought, I totally agree. I, I thought it was a, a very powerful one. And I think, for the sport of NASCAR. See, this is sometimes where being on the right side of history will do you good, right? Because if they kept going with the status quo, the none of this ever happens. And right. they've now been rewarded with new fans, a new star, and people who actually now, when they watch it, it's not only, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Now they're like, this is, I feel good about watching this. This is, a, this is something that, that I want to support. And that's a 180, man. Is that a 180 or what? Yeah, it sure is. You know, we saw videos even last week about Alvin Kamara being like, yo, I'm going to go to a NASCAR race, you know. But at the same time, they're in for a battle. Okay, because there are still definitely elements of that fan culture that are the same elements that we talk about on the wrong side. There was no shortage of people draped in the Confederate flag, you know, in the parking lot or, you know, outside making it happen. So something we definitely want to keep our eye on. But we here at the early line also stand with Bubba. So I do want to take our attention. You mentioned to the EPL. Uh, they had their first match day last week. There's a couple of interesting games on the horizon to talk about. But what are you seeing? You know, we're trying to read the tea leaves and learn some trends besides the fact that Man City can still score some goals, which they did with a 5 nothing win. What are some of the takeaways you had from the first action in the Premier League? 
Yeah, Manchester City's rolling, huh? Eight nothing in their first two games uh, since the restart. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I saw made me chuckle a little bit uh, was the uh, over-under trend. So over two and a half goals, under two and a half goals, however you split it, six and six. Bang even ah. through the first 12 games of the restart. I just – the reason that that makes well, me There is no trend, man. No, there's no trend. To, <laughs> it's, there's no trend at all, right? The reason why that makes me laugh is for sports to come back, right? We're like, where's our edge? Where can we find the advantage? And I just, I almost, I do find it a bit funny when it's like, there is none. Like, because they they didn't forget what they were doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly how to set these lines. I did, though, notice that out of the 24 team performances, right, over the 12 games, right, the 24 team performances, there were nine goalless performances, huh. and that is always offered at plus money. Right, like both teams team, to score? For, well, just for a team to be shut out, right? Oh, okay. Like, we tried our hand with that a couple of times in the Bundesliga, right? Maybe a team not to score against Bayern, whatever it might be. Nine out of 24, again, it's not the majority, but this is a plus money type of bet. If you see a spot where you're not expecting – offense don't be scared to go the whole way and say that that team will not be putting any goals forth i'll give an example southampton versus norwich i looked at that game i thought to myself it could be an underplay norwich had scored one goal in like five lead games four of the five had gone under through uh two and a half except for one 3-0 defeat and then it was another 3-0 defeat so like, you know what let me just focus in on norwich and their issues and now I don't have to bring this other team into it. The only thing that I will offer you before maybe we take a look at some of the games for tomorrow, yeah. uh, the favorites, five wins, three losses, four draws. Again, it was pretty even throughout the week. Uh, you know, it was a considerable number of draws. We tried to identify from those three losses. Was it, was it the road teams? Two home dogs getting the upset. It felt like it was a situation where – a lot of teams were just on even footing, getting back to the reset, getting yeah, back out there. And it was very much so a game by game basis here on the restart. And I think that could there potentially be some trends that, you know, emerge throughout this? Absolutely. Right. right. We've only, you know, we're only working off of a 12 game just sample size. But from what we saw, it was very across-the-board kind of numbers. All right, fair enough. Maybe don't be scared betting some unders or betting some shutouts. I do want to ask you about a game that takes place later on today. It's the leaders in the clubhouse, Liverpool, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. They are far and away atop the table, Kev, right? And with not many games left to play, and it pretty much cinched away, I ask you about motivation. The same thing I ask you about college kids who show up to a bowl game. You know, the same thing I ask you about some of these NBA players who are thinking about returning but don't really have a chance to, you know, take home the Larry O'Brien trophy. Liverpool has kind of socked it all away in the EPL. I believe they have a good 20 points on Man City, who is second. So... Are they, like, still with their foot on the gas pedal? I know they're minus 410 favorites against Crystal Palace later today. Does the fact that they got it all socked away and maybe kind of coasting, would that give you any cause for pause? So I don't see – they, to me, were one of the more disappointing teams uh, in this Hmm. opening set of games. I expected better from them. They went into the break somewhat stumbling. They were unbeaten for a long time. Uh, and then Watford got them uh, 3-0. Then uh, Chelsea had them in the FA Cup 2-0. Uh, they were able to get an, a win against Bournemouth, but then they ended up getting knocked out of the Champions League to Atletico Madrid. It was a really sloppy close from them. And I thought coming up and out against Everton, a team that's a, their biggest rival, but they've also dominated, would have saw them have a lot of confidence going into that game. They had won the reverse fixture 5-2, and it was a, a nil-nil draw. It, it wasn't there. And maybe that was just the restart. Maybe, you know, a little slow out of the gates when you're going to play a rivalry in that kind of a setting. But it wasn't like it was chance after chance after chance and it was just an, this, you know, all-world goalkeeping performance. They did have 70% of the possession in that game against Everton. 
they're coming up against a Crystal Palace team that was our only road dog to get a victory uh, in those first 12 games. Give me that five to one draw, baby. Right. And and that's <laughs> if you wanted to get in the five to one draw, I could not back Liverpool at this minus 410 price. Sometimes I'll look at the spread. It's minus two, no push, plus 230. You need them to win by three goals, Liverpool. You might as well then play over two and a half goals here at minus 142. Liverpool, offensively, they've got to be chomping at the bit to try and find their old form. Crystal Palace getting two in their first game back. Potentially the offense is there uh, on their side. I'm. This is a big game for Liverpool. As much as... Even though they're up by 20 points? The problem is they've not won the league since it's been renamed to the Premier League, right? This is like Eagles fans who had to hold on and tell people that they had won NFL championships and not (laughs) Super Bowls. They, This matters so much to them. Despite the fact that it is locked in, it matters so much to them. And Manchester City's looked awesome. If you let this go on, people are like, well, what if? They need a win here. It's still going to be a tough game. I think the minus 140 over, though, is worth the look. All right, one other game I want to get your quick thoughts on because it's two teams that are relatively close to them, each other and above the fold in the table. I believe it's like four versus six, maybe five versus seven, something like that. When we're talking about Man United and Sheffield United, uh, they're going to get going later on this afternoon. Could Man City, I mean, excuse me, could Man U and or Sheffield, one of these teams that lose, maybe even be in danger of falling out of Europa? Yeah, that, that's certainly in play, and a lot of people don't know what it, the Champions League spots will look like because Manchester City might have their ban, which then moves everybody ah, up. So everyone, one like spot. that fifth. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So that's a big deal here. Sheffield United enters this game two points back of United, so a win. They would jump them. I'm expecting Manchester United, though, to put on a dominating performance. Sheffield hasn't scored since the restart. They kind of did VAR controversy. They ha- don't have a goal on the sheet, though. And their goalkeeper, who's been incredible for them all year long, Dean Henderson, is on loan for Manchester United. So he doesn't get to play in this game. Ah. So they're now without their first-choice keeper. Uh, They've also got a suspension in the back. United, when they brought Paul Pogba on against Tottenham, you saw the offense went to another level. They had a couple of chances, a lot more chances, uh, when they made that move. So I think that if you see, especially if you see Pogba starting next to Bruno Fernandes and this team for Manchester United, you're looking at what should be a multi-gold win to me for United. I think them minus one at plus 135, uh, the spread prop here offered by the FanDuel Sportsbook, is is worth the play. I'm expecting them to try to put Sheffield United in the rearview mirror. Fair enough. There's Kevin's leans when it comes to football. When we come back after the break in hour number two, we talk football americano. The NFL is right there in the middle in focus for us. It'll be hour number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Come. 